Welcome to Fundamental Fridays, where we provide you practical tips and tricks for working on and in your business. My name is Devin. And my name is Thor. And today we're going to be talking about go-to-market strategy. Yeah. But what do we do before we always hop into the topic? Got to touch base on where we're at in our business. So where do we sit? What are we chewing on today? Bit of a precarious place. This is one of those moments where it feels like maybe we're taking a step backwards, but the reality is... Whoa. Kind of a blessing in disguise, in my opinion. This setback is just me. Hurt. It's not a setback. It's one of those moments when we're finding a lull, but it's really being filled by honing in on our offering yeah. and our processes too, really to get to, to what I enjoy. Is oh, just Thor's loving The found, foundational strength that we really need and I think everyone can benefit from. So it's it's been kind of relaxing, although at some point it's got to change. But with the amount of effort we're putting into every aspect of our business, I think it's bound to. <laughs> oh, for sure. I would say <laughs> the funny part is you're all excited about this like operational stuff. And when he came in last week, probably Thursday, got a little heated. Got a little heated between Thor and I. Not in a bad way. Like heated as Thor would put it with your you know younger older brother or in his world twin. Because Thor loves operational things. I like to dream. And Thor forced me to come down to planet Earth then pass planet Earth and just roll around in that mud and really execute on some activities, which is the most important part of growing a business. So that wasn't fun. And the worst part is, is you know in the backyard, I have to do this. It doesn't mean I want to do it. I need to do it. And I'm super happy about it now because we have a whole new product offering because of talking to customers and listening to their pain points. Now we actually offer where we insert a sales development specialist into a company for a year to develop their sales strategy. Because Thor and I originally were avoiding basically anything under 10 million. It was a little rocky, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And so, but they kept coming to us going, do you sell? Do you sell? And we're like, no, we don't. Because we said yes once and it like ruined our whole consulting perspective. We just became sales reps. Finally realized that's they really, a slippery slope. It is very slippery slope when it comes to sales, especially being good or driven. And then you meet with people and they they can see that. You're like, Mm, nope, I yep. don't. I don't want to do that. Not that it's bad or inherently negative. It's just that's not where we want to specialize. Yeah, because nothing wrong with it. But they wouldn't pay us for our, our intellect. Which, sorry, sales reps is a great intellect role. They were only paying us to go hustle streets, which isn't what we wanted to do. Nor is it how you win anymore in sales. It's not no. a push tactic. It's a pull now. And getting that hot story take. through, hot take, yeah. <laughs> getting that story through is really hard. So now what we do is we come alongside businesses, we build them a strategy month one, we onboard a sales rep for them month two. That sales rep's actually a business development strategist, so they spend a whole year selling, but they're also building your strategy and go to market on the back end with Thor and I. The owner never has to do anything. And then at the end of the year, we put together a whole GTM and sales strategy for them. So if you imagine that brief overview, a lot of operational processes inside of there, which is what we're working on right now. So, okay, it really to, to bring it to an analogy, of course, is it's like a NASCAR pit stop, at least in, in your world. I feel like it's like any amount of time you're off the racetrack. It's just way too much time. Oh, like, yeah. Devin, we need new tires. We're running out of gas. The driver's been going for 24 hours straight. He needs a break. You got to give him some kind of reprieve. <laughs> just oh, so, so fast. True. So <laughs> true. But the question for me always is like, you know, the planes, they have someone fly alongside them, put a gas in. Like, Why can't we just do that? But apparently it's not an option, which is totally okay. 
With that, though, we are kicking off a 10-week series. So excited. I just clapped. I don't know if that's going to like jack with the microphones, but it might. But Thor and I really decided, hey, for the next 10 weeks, we want all of our platforms, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, podcasts to all flow together on one, understanding our why as a company so people really understand why we're out there. And then two, understanding our core, uh, one of our two core offerings, which is the go-to-market strategy. And without a go-to-market strategy, companies are dead in the water, right? You, you can't go out there and just willy-nilly sell a product because it doesn't mean people even want it, right? I mean, that's- well, How do you know if they do want it? And then if you do have people that want it, how do you know how you're even reaching them? Well, good news on that question. <laughs> we'll be able to dive into how do you know if they want it next week. So we're bringing Jared Goldman on, remember, to talk about market analysis and how he's helping expand his family business that he's part owner in. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. We'll be able Gonna to be go a good one. super deep into that. But until then, probably should help people understand outside of that, go to market, Thor. At the very beginning of a company, what happens before go to market, Thor? Right? So a lot of people are like, well, you want me to build how I'm going to go sell something? And how I'm going to market it and who I'm going to talk to. But how do I know if what my why is and everything first? Like what happens on that front end that we're talking about when we typically is not our part of the strategy. It's more of a marketing firm side. I feel like that's one of those moments where you're, you need to analyze the market that you're going to go into and understand who you're going to be targeting. Right. right. I would imagine is what is what you're getting at is an I, I, ICP or that, but even profile. Before that. But even prior to that? Yeah. Because think about we, so in our world, we believe in, in four core areas of a business. You have your brand strategy, you have your go-to-market strategy, you have your sales strategy, and you have sales execution, right? And so in today's world, everyone's trying to combine those four into one function where we only function in one area or two areas, technically. We function in the ugly part of marketing, go-to-market, and yes. the ugly part of sales, sales strategy. But before that, you have this whole brand strategy world, Right. The pretty what, side of it. The pretty side, which is still beyond important and pivotal, right? I mean, we're experienced right now with some consultants we're working with. Absolutely. And and that's one of those moments where having that and, and designing, I don't want to call it a business model, but it really kind of is, is what it comes down to. Is it just, it tees you up for success? Could you call it an identity? Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. good phrasing though. Yeah. Enjoy that. I'm learning from Thor. So. <laughs> Vo <laughs> vocabulary Mondays, everyone. You, well, yeah, man. I was hoping more of like an analogy, kind of, but it wasn't. <laughs> but trying to tie it together. <laughs> so, very first part, before you even listen to this go-to-market episodes coming up, you still can, but before you apply them, look at a brand strategy. A brand strategy is understanding your company's purpose, their core why, what their overall vision, mission, and, and reason is that we talked about in some other episodes. And if you need help with that at all, Always hop on YouTube, Google, because they have plenty of information out there. But still reach out to us, and we can connect you with some of our uh, local consultants in the area that work on the branding side. But after branding, then comes the GTM piece, right? And when you hop into GTM, so many important questions to ask. But first of all, Thor, if you don't build the GTM and you hop right into sales, what are you risking by not having a solid GTM plan? I, I immediately just... One, tons of friction and not even understanding where it's coming from. And two, wasted re resources and time. Yeah. To where it's just, you're just way too broad. Yeah. Like you're, broad. you're just running in every single direction. And even if you do see success, how are you going to understand where that success is coming from? So you can allocate more re resources towards that. 
Yeah. And I would say we absolutely struggled with that at the beginning. And I want to say, part of me wants to say it's due to the market we're going into consulting, right? I mean, you you can literally consult on everything. <laughs> when it Not comes to, to take away <laughs> from our credit. Um, no, I would completely agree, though. But on the flip side, I do think we were running so fast by each having full-time jobs that it was also like, just get the ball rolling and then figure out my GTM plan, which twofold. One, it's really good to do because you just need to get the ball rolling. So a lot of you probably are like me and you've sat around a table with friends for years and just talked about it. And one day you just need to start doing it, even though it's going to be a cluster. But two, it's about how fast do you look back every week and hone in on that so you don't waste resources, right? So you don't waste money. I mean, we saw how fast $5,000 credit card racked up. I mean, Oof. that is insanely fast. A couple times over. Yeah. Very fast. And it's just, and it's crazy how fast time goes in just the most literal sense, which we're all aware of, but it's just time moves so fast and it's hard to try and pull back or stop once you get running, which again is on your end. So it's where our balance is nice to where it's your guns ablaze yes. and I'm slowing down wanting to just evaluate to where it's like, if it, yeah, if you don't have that, I don't even know what the secret sauce would be on that end. Outside of just setting reminders for yourself that if you're hitting certain milestones with your, you know, objectives or main goals or sales or anything along those lines that you can measure to slow down and just take a look at things. Yeah. Because otherwise, yeah, you're going to be missing a whole, whole lot and to be missing a go-to-market strategy as a whole is just insane. Right. And to help connect the dots, your go-to-market strategy versus your sales strategy. Some people ask us, well, really, what's the difference? I've seen it on LinkedIn where people are like, there's no difference. The GTM just the new sales strategy. It really isn't. What your GTM strategy is, is building the tactical actions off your brand strategy, but not going as deep into your sales strategy. So this is really focusing on Questions like, how do I analyze my market and understand my competitor's strengths and weaknesses? Who is my target audience? What is my value proposition? What are my sales channels? What is my pricing and packaging? These are all topics we're going to go through. And then as you get towards the end, we start looking at, well, how do I actually execute my marketing strategy? How do I actually measure these metrics to ensure they're successful versus just saying, hey, look at this cool GTM booklet I have, and it doesn't go anywhere. So with that, it's understanding that it's an in-depth analysis of what your business is going to become. And I'm a huge proponent of I'm just going to say, I think it's okay to do this the first three months you've launched a business while you're trying to narrow down if it's not a product. I would agree. And if, if it is a product, just be mindful from just personal experience, yeah. right? From what we've experienced. If you do have an incredible product, it is very easy to completely forget about your go-to-market plan. Oh, yeah. Because if a product sells itself, that's one thing, right? That's absolutely amazing. Congrats. I love that. I'm never going to take anything away from it. But just understand that'll only take you so far and it'll push you down a road that it might be extremely difficult to try and come back out of, to try and keep moving forward to where you're in kind of that area where you're going to plateau or the training wheels yeah. fall off and suddenly <laughs> you're like, well, I, I, I don't know. It's going so good, but I just can't get it past this set yeah. dollar amount, right? Especially with e-commerce, I think about everything that pops. I love what you're saying. So it, it, everything takes off and it grows really fast. And you're like, look at all these sales that are coming in. And then in three to six months, it plateaus and then it bottoms out. And in less than a year, you went from a good business to great to okay to gone. And it's understanding that that's typically because you're riding a hype cycle wave. 
So if you look up on Gartner, hype cycle wave is about how long it actually takes for a, a product or concept to become market accepted, market adapted, and then die off. And in technology and more complicated offerings, the hype cycle wave is a lot longer and companies have a lot more time to adjust to a go-to-market strategy that they maybe didn't prepare at first. But in a B2C or, or heavy B2B consumer market where it's a commodity, it's going to pop and ebb and flow very fast. And the only way you can survive that is one, building your GTM beforehand with your product. And then two, what Thor's really got good at is actively adapting and looking backwards every two weeks. What happened, what's working, what isn't working and adjusting with that, I would say. Oh yeah, no, that's perfectly said. And it's one of those moments where by doing a go-to-market or really that kind of front end of that, you're understanding the market you're going into. <laughs> so you know if it's, if it's going to be that quick life cycle of it peaking, and falling so you you've got at least some sense of hey so we've got a probably two-year window maybe on low end a year window this is how we need to operate this is what we need to be successful so i think that's super important and, and it helps it just brings clarity and some or, or organization to the entire process and i feel yeah. like at times it's easy enough to lose that yeah what i would say so for a practical side though right now i feel we're staying pretty high level. And if I'm a smaller startup, I'm going, Hey, Fair. what do I do with this? And I get, we're going to, you and I are going to dive into this for the next 10 weeks. But I would say if you're at home right now and you're thinking about, you've already started a business or you want to start one and you're going to go online and Google go to market and you're going to get a lot of opinions. I'm normally not a big fan of these tools and templates like fish bones and all these other strategy terms people like to use when you go to <laughs> get in a degree, but a really good tool that I love, it's called a business model canvas. Never was a big uh, fan of it. Remember how back when we were younger in high school and even in college, it's all about, you know, what's your uh, business proposal? And they want this huge, thick booklet of all these things you're gonna do and strategies and angles. Well, what companies have realized over time is when you use that, it, you're gonna change too fast the first year. Everything's gonna constantly be adapting as you actually figure out your consumer pain points and who's buying your product. So when you use a business model canvas, it's literally a one page piece of paper that you fill out the key pieces of. <laughs> I, I am so one. sorry. Literally that was just, my throat made a random noise. I literally just sitting here. I have no idea. Wow. <laughs> I, I heard it in my headphones and I'm like, maybe no one else heard it. Oh, I definitely heard it. <laughs> so if you're at home after that weird moment, Pull up Google business model canvas, C-A-N-V-A-S. It's roughly nine or 10 sections. Fill that out. Thor's <laughs> still smirking. It'll give you a really good idea of where to start and things to fill in. And if you don't know how to answer any of those, that, that's what you need to do some research on. I guarantee you'll know about half. Another quarter you'll be okay with, but you'll do a little market research on the last quarter. You'll have no idea what to do. And that's when uh, Google, YouTube, and reaching out to people on LinkedIn is your best bet. Oh yeah, getting getting advice uh, from anyone who's gone through that process or started their own business, the real world is, yeah, hard, hard argument on that end to steal advice from. I'm so sorry, I don't know what happened there. I literally am just stuck on that and now I'm just like out in left field. I mean, out in left field. <laughs> I don't even know what to say, it literally creeped me out. I was like, Thor, I thought only I made weird throat noises sometimes after I ate. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, what'd you have for lunch today? Everyone Thor went to uh, lunch the other day without me. So that was cool. I just 
Saturday. No, I wasn't actually bummed at all. It was a really cool meeting. But what'd you have? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a lot, lot of questions. And I know I ended up having, I was just going to do a regular like cheeseburger and then last minute switch my option to some sort of brisket hamburger with a sausage on it. It was like Texas oriented and it just, it wasn't bad, but definitely way too messy. I ate it with a fork and knife. Felt very proper. I, well, I'm sitting in a meeting, someone who's business oriented for the first time and the thing's just loaded with barbecue sauce. I'm like, absolutely not. My beard just going to be a mess. The napkin is only going to go so far. Like, no. And then her sandwich ended up being super messy and just like ginormous too. And she's like, how do I Perfect. eat this? Awesome. We're both just going to sit and just. You did not. You picked it up, didn't you? No. Bruh. I pulled the top bun, bun off. Oh, pulled the you. All right. Yep. There we go. See? I appreciate Bringing it. Bringing it around. I value it. Yup, and ate it with a fork and knife. Cool. Because I don't want stuff on my hands. I like it. So now we're so, talking about food. May as well talk about food. Bourbon. Yeah, might might as well. So today has been super busy, and Devin, you ran out and you grabbed this, and it's not bad. Um, it's different. It's got a lot of spice, but you had said it tastes a little florally. We yeah, there's a floral note to it. We ended up getting Yellowstone Select. 150 years in business. 150. Bourbon so where whiskey. was it bottled? I, I, is it Bardstown? No, that one's not Bardstown. Somewhere else in Kentucky. Roll to the back underneath the label. There you go. Oh boy, General. Distilled, aged in Kentucky, bottled in Limestone Branch Distillery, Lebanon, Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good area. Good area. Cool. I'm waiting for the day, Thor of the day. Someone reaches out to me. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to Kentucky for a bourbon tour, and they want advice." It's going to be one of the best days of my life. <laughs> I'm just, she's going to have a single tear rolling yeah, down your cheek. Like, it happened. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you got business for your podcast? No, I got to help someone on their bourbon tour. <laughs> Far more important. Far more. But I would say it's good. It's smooth. It's light. It's not a heavy bourbon. You know, there's some bourbons where when you're full, you don't want to drink it because you're like, I'm just going to feel gross and, and heavy. Yeah. This one, I would I put it a little bit lighter. Definitely has some floral hits to it. Lighter, not on the peppery side. I'm really telling you. Like, it's definitely spicy. The feeling of the weight and heaviness as it goes down. I maybe I'm the only one who feels that sometimes they drink bourbon. I feel like there's some where they feel really heavy, like I'm almost drinking a meal. And there's others where I'm like, oh, it just tastes really good. Man, I can't tell if you're just just crazy or if you're just onto something on that end. I'm I, definitely I'm, onto something in my world. And no, no one else may live in it. But. Absolutely, you are. Yeah, no, I, I, it's it's enjoyable and it's approachable for being what it is for 93 proof. It's not crazy and it does have a little bit of heat. I think if Shelby was drinking it, she'd be like, ooh, that's got some some heat. Or what I did she, know. how does she phrase that again? Because she had one the other night when was we were at the zing? office. It was something hilarious. Spicy or spicy. It was spicy. Spicy, which is fair. I think that's a good description. My favorite part is, so yes, Thor and I drink bourbon at the office when it's late night. We're working and my wife will always reach over and take my bourbon. And then take a sip out of it and pretend she's in love with it and hang on to it. And Thor just looked at me. He's like, you going to pour another one? And I was like, nah, just wait. And about 30 seconds later, mm, too spicy. Joe's hands are back. I'm like, perfect. I got my burn back. I just know. It just takes patience. But if it was a Kentucky mule or Kentucky owl. Oh, gone. Which is gone. believable. Again, props on, on her end for at least trying it and right. trying to hang. There's nothing wrong there. She oh, still enjoys sure. it, which is fantastic. So we're talking about GTM. We're going we're gonna to swing the ship back. Yes, sorry. You got to bring it no, back in. Rain it in. So what I find interesting is a lot of people go, hey, cool, go to market strategy. We're potentially hitting a recession. 
mild recession, mediocre, mild boiled. I don't know. Everyone's calling it new terms. It's it's here and no one wants to actually admit it because there's so many things going on in in the background. Yeah. I mean, look at your grocery bill. Indicators. I can't I can't break 130. I try and be below 130. I don't know if I have to become a carnivore. I mean, not eat meat. So, okay, wow, vegetarian, and then it'll go back down. But complete opposite. Yes. But just start a garden. Devin. Start a That's garden. all you got to do. Start a garden. And it's some, you know. Thor, I can barely mow my own yard. Time Touché. is of the essence. Yeah. Okay. No, that's valid. Anyways, to your to your point, the value of a GTS. Yes. So a lot of people will question it. However, what I found interesting, I was reading this article the other week, and the brands that always survive, okay, let's pull that back a little bit because you never want to use the term, but majority of the time survive recessions very well are luxury brands. We're talking Gucci, Rolex, whatever other luxury people like, Lamborghinis, <laughs> right? Those things that are very, very expensive. And they did market research into it and they found out was it came down to their branding and go-to-market strategy, even in, so you may be thinking, oh, this is the B2C world. Well, what we have seen is the B2C world normally is about 10 years ahead of the B2B world. And if we're consistently seeing this works in B2C, and if any of you have research on it working in B2B on go-to-market and branding, and surviving a recession, please send it to me. But what we're seeing is they always survive it because they know their sales channel. They know their ideal client. They know who to target and they're not wasting resources ever before, during, or after a recession. Running lean and mean. Yeah. Hard argument on that end. But what's interesting is they may run lean and mean, but their promotions are the biggest promotions you'll see. They're paying all of their employees super reasonable salaries with great benefits because, again, they don't waste resources and time and money on things that aren't focused on their ideal client profile. Hence why you don't see commercials for them because they know who to go after. That doesn't mean not to do commercials. That just means the value of a GTM is not only going to extend the lifespan of your company, but it's also going to make the ruts a lot harder or a lot easier to survive. Oh, the ruts, yes. In the sense of economy, life happening, all of that. I would completely agree though. And And it makes sense. Again, if bringing clarity to any situation, nonetheless a business and one that you start yourself, I don't understand how it's so undervalued. Being in the business that we're in, I am just mind blown. At in all the, the B2B world. In yeah. the B2B world, it is mind blowing to me. And I yeah. don't, it's hard to comprehend. Like, I mean, I can kind of get it, but at the same time, seeing, so learning about it and experiencing it firsthand, I, I opening on that end. Yeah. Like, how? What are you doing? Right. I mean, right. these are three, four, five hundred million dollar businesses. It's crazy how far you can get without it. And I mean, it makes sense why someone would ignore it because you can get to a point where you're comfortable. But just um, I can't imagine where they would be had they understood it fully. Yeah. Or just used it, implemented it. The time saved, the money saved. I mean, astronomical. Yeah. And why I'm such a big fan of it is because Thor and I's why for our business is we focus on helping individuals. Our, Our true why is help every individual in the world see their value, find their fit, and awaken their dream. Like that's what Thor and I would love to do. We know we'll never reach the whole world. That's the point of a why. It should be too big to ever touch. But on the reverse side, we say, well, how do we make that practical? Well, to make that practical, it's all about helping companies develop sustainable growth so they can become the foundation for awakening people's dreams. Well, you can't do that without a GTM. That's why we're so bullish on GTMs and implementing into your business because without it, 
you're going to get, you will get accelerated growth. You will get revenue pops. You'll get all these additional pieces, but you won't have that sustainable piece, which most importantly, if you don't have a sustainable piece as the owner, can you ever break away from the business? No, I don't think so. You're going to no. be glued to it and you're just stuck. Hard yeah. to get out of that, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, props to the people that don't, that don't want to ever leave their business. But one of those moments that being able to develop it so that it's self-sustainable is I feel like for the vast majority of small business owners is something that they admire and wish for. Yeah. And, you know, in the, in, in the most respectable way and obviously understanding that there are times it's hard to find people that you can trust to <laughs> instill with that amount of um, power to a certain degree, but still would be nice. Right. I would agree. That's priceless. Right. I love that. Great tee up. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're not going to get away. No. You'll be doing it forever. And that's, What's interesting is Thor and I are only four months in, let's, let's say hardcore in our business, maybe three, and we're working on our GTM right now to be built to be able to break us off from it. Because if we don't start there from day one, and yes, day one meaning we don't have massive amounts of revenue coming in, you're never, let me rephrase it, it's that much harder than to do it at 1 million and 5 million and 10 million. And that's where all of a sudden you have to bring in consultants like Thor and I for a year and a half, which is our typical engagement, to completely write your ship. And I do want to plug there real quick. We don't mean write as in your whole business is wrong, but making it so you can have freedom, you can have longevity, you can have sustainability. So, yeah, completely. And well, and to, to the point I'd made earlier, it's that same thing. Uh, yeah, you, you may be successful, you may have a great product, and that's going to carry you a long ways. But then to try and get out of that or to correct it and then bring in a go to market or to change anything is a lot more difficult than doing yeah. it er early on. But yeah, again, I don't know why it gets overlooked. I feel like you would have a better opinion on that end, especially in the B2B side. Ooh. How is it overlooked? Because really the closer that I guess for myself, oh yeah, th thank you. You're like, I'll feed you baby bird. Um, in, in my world, learning and in, in figuring more out on all of this is it seems so straightforward. I think if you yeah. have something amazing, why would you not set out a plan, figure out who you should be targeting? And it seems really straightforward. And like that seems yeah. like common sense, not to un undermine yeah. anyone. Well, no, anything yeah, on someone that said end. that at our bar, right? They're yeah. like, what you two do is common sense. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was offended. I do think it's still a disrespectful thing to say to someone about their business. Yeah. But at the same time, you know what our secret sauce is? What do you tell everyone, Thor? Our secret sauce is? We roll up our sleeves and yeah. we get in there and we <laughs> just get it done. Right. Like what we do doesn't take a genius. That's why no. we're teaching you over a podcast because you can go do it on your own. You don't need to pay us to do it. Very fair. Outside of the relative vision and the way that we, we can take a look at things at times, totally different potentially. Right. But in general, yeah, it's all stuff that... Yeah. I mean, if you built your own business yeah. and you got it to like three million in revenue, I think you have the ability to do this. Yeah. And the only question <laughs> is if you want to work in it or on it, right? And a lot of people want to keep working in it. Great. Hit us up. We'll work on it for you. But Thor, it's so fascinating. You're touching on a really important cultural shift that happened where companies used to put their go-to-market strategy first and their why first and their people first. But what has happened over time is more and more companies have gone public. Who do you think truly controls the company in the end? Um, I would imagine that it would be shareholders. Yeah. I mean, if you have people who are invested in it or have a stake in it, they yeah. obviously are going to be a big influence. Right. And what is, if you invest in a company, what is the only thing you want in return? Money. Right. And if all you want is money in return, if the company isn't growing at a fast enough rate, that was me, y'all. Uh, my bad. Oh. 
if the company isn't growing at a fast enough rate, that's the first time that's ever happened. This is so many firsts in this episode. It's okay. Gabe's cringing, but (laughs) (laughs) he's like, edit, edit, edit. No. So as these companies have gotten more and more public, shareholders have taken over and we've seen this cultural shift to greed and people wanting more and more money for themselves rather than prosperity as a whole. Now, I'm not saying give away everything for free, but it is about prosperity as a whole. They've now started a push on companies to focus on quarter to quarter results rather than year to year or even every three year to five year results. And so what's happening is people are making decisions now, which we talked about the hype cycle, quick accelerator pops in their revenue in order to make their shareholders happy in the moment. And the average CEO, I'm gonna have to look this up again, but it's somewhere between, I wanna say one to three years inside of a company, maybe up to five, and then they get fired or they quit. Cause it's such a big cycle because all their their whole goal in that minute, moment is to make shareholders happy, which if you keep doing that long-term, you're gonna regress and you're gonna go backwards. And that's why most of your Fortune 500 companies from 1950 are all gone. Almost all of them are gone. and. Phew, into the thin air because they fed into money, not into prosperity. Hence why companies like Dell, Michael Dell had to buy the company back or Walmart, the original owner had to buy it back and take it not public because they lost their why and purpose and were feeding shareholders and then right when it back public again, right back down the pipeline. That's tough. Because I mean, you're dealing with so many different personalities, aspects, ideologies. To where some of it, I guess in my mind, not to justify by any means, because being greedy is just not a good way to live and it's not a way to be successful. But it's it's tough because it's one of those moments to where they aren't on the ground level. They may not be educated. I mean, we're talking about people who own a business, came up with the idea, and then literally didn't think about a go-to-market yeah. strategy. The, the common sense aspects of business, let alone someone who just had capital, threw it at it, and then just wants you know to make sure they get a good return. To where it's not intentional it's an you know it's a side effect right yeah. of having the ability and then just not being involved or educated enough around that to be making yeah. sure that it's it's going to prosper and be be around long term and it's funny because I, I don't think anyone sets out with the idea to not have something be successful long term it's just you keep poking at it and prodding at it for for more money and eventually it just dries up and you know yeah doesn't exist I would say to kind of wrap up the moment, what I think you hit really important on is common sense from the aspect of, in my opinion, it's common sense to know what you're not good at and to bring in the proper resources to offset that. So there's plenty of people out there where I want to make sure you understand that we America, I know that go to market and sales strategy is not natural to you and it's not common sense, just like chemistry and biology and um, in-depth manufacturing from a CAD standpoint, not common sense to me. But what we are trying to encourage people is have humble common sense to bring people in when you need help. And also have humble common sense to be able to take correction when I get it from people like Thor. And so what we're gonna be doing for the next 10 weeks is really diving into each stage of the GTM because there's people out there who can't afford right now to hire a consultant and we wanna help those people out. And there's also some of you out there who think that this isn't needed and we're hoping to change your mindset Build some value around it. Yeah, build some value free. around it. Yeah. And so 10 weeks, uh, we'll wrap up week 12 with uh, just kind of giving a recap on it all. But tune in for next week. We'll be talking about market analysis, bring in one of my best friends in, Jared Goldman, to hear more about his business. Extremely intelligent person who all uh, started from grassroots, just like uh, Thor and I in St. Cloud, Minnesota. 
But until then, Thor, what do we want to leave everyone with? Oh, man. Stay hungry, stay humble, and stay at it, guys. Mm-hmm.